what's up and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. This is your host, Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for joining us today. This podcast is powered by Stick and Ball TV, the baseball and softball streaming platform. If you're a coach with a growth mindset, then I know you want to get better, and Stick and Ball is just for you. With weekly updated videos from some of the best baseball and softball coaches in the country, it's a no-brainer. Check them out at stickandball.tv or on the Stick and Ball TV mobile app. With the new year, we're going to try something different. How many of you have felt yourself saying, man, I really liked that podcast episode about off-season training, but that was seven months ago. I really wish I had heard it now. Well, here's your chance. We have taken the guests and cut the episodes up into smaller, bite-sized chunks and specific to the season that we're in. So today, we're back with Sean Stifford, and he's discussing how he prepares his team from preseason through postseason play. And if you haven't listened to part one yet, the link is below, and I highly recommend checking it out. Without further ado, here is Sean Stifler. So there was a line that I, I heard you use and earlier, and, and so whenever we're flipping from that off-season development mode, you're, you're getting to know the players, and so are your assistant coaches. You said that you know once you flip, how will you help, and how will this team help win baseball games? So whenever you make that switch, you're trying to get them game ready, when does that start? And then where do we go from there? Like, what are you guys doing on a daily basis to make sure, hey, game one, we're ready to go? From a team or an individual standpoint? Uh, both, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. When, whenever you flip that switch. Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, we use the fall for a lot of that. We use the fall to try to get them to try to put together our plan as much as possible because the springtime is so volatile, right? You, you worry about weather. And they they come back from from winter break, and some guys aren't in shape as good as a, like I like that that time in late January, early February. I always feel like is a really volatile time um, to really implement what you're what what you're trying to do. I think the biggest thing is for from a player standpoint on a personal level. Once you've evaluated them through the fall, you have to come up with a set of routine and drills that works for that player offensively and defensively. Okay, and and so and put him in those. And, and, you know, one of the things we talk about at, at VCU is not everybody has the same routine, but everybody has a routine. Okay. And so, so every day the players come in and they have a set routine of what they do in their early work or their pre-work to kind of get their swing groove to where, you know, we're trying to get it. And same thing with the pitchers. They have a set of routine of, you know, plyo balls and bands and, 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 you know, maybe it's cuff weights and, and we use them all like we use all that stuff as a as a piece in the toolbox. OK, and some guys pick out, you know, the wrench and the hammer more. Other guys take, you know, the screwdriver a little bit more. It's really up to the, how that. Is, but but you're going to have a a individual routine that's that's for you. That's for you. And then from there, I spend Eight, you know, I spend as much time as possible on on the eighty percent of the game that I think is really going to affect winning or losing. Okay, and that's we do not spend much time on plays. You know, we like first and third defenses. I'm telling you, I put the clock on it every time. Five minutes, we're done. Okay, because that drill, whether it's you know that drill, always turns into a mess. And uh, and truthfully, we'll see it once or twice a year. So. Yeah, I want to be prepared for it. Okay, I want to be ready for it. But again, I'm a big 80-20 guy. Spend 80% on your on on of your time 
on that top 20% of results. And, and that, and that's what you should do. And so, you know, ours is a lot of handling the baseball, catching ground balls, throwing it to the right base, understanding exactly where to throw the ball from the outfield, um, understanding, you know, when we're going to throw and be aggressive to throw out a lead runner when we're not, we spend a lot of time on that stuff. And then we spend a lot of time um, hitting and count hitting like, you know, all your ABs are going to have a count. So, you know, there isn't many BPs at VCU where you're just sitting there hitting five poolside as far as you can. Everything is a, is a, is a type of count. And then we reward the players for within that count of being successful with, with their approach. You know, um, I'm a big believer if, you know, you know, if we're, if we're on a two strike count and, and we're doing two strike hitting and, and you see a guy staying really late and, and really seeing the ball deep, which is something we preach, or a guy not giving up ground on the inner half, then I'll give him an extra swing. Hey, man, now here, hit this ball as far as you can. You know, <laughs> or you know, uh, I mean, we we try to reward guys in that process of, of of doing those things. So I'm just really big on when it when it comes down to getting the team ready, we're going to spend eighty percent of our time on the twenty percent most important things. No doubt, and you know, being being a pitching guy. Uh, as yourself with, with an overarching view of the program, I'm sure, but you, you know, in your heart of hearts, that's, uh, that's where your a lot of your development lies and where I'm, I'm assuming you're really comfortable with the offense now, but, uh, you know, you, once you're a pitching guy, you're always a pitching guy, I feel like, but I, I would love to hear what your thoughts are on, you know, how do, how do we get those guys on the mound ready? Because, you know, you mentioned 80%, you want to practice 80% and that's, the hitter pitcher matchup that you yeah. talked about, you know, the hitter well, the pitcher catcher hitter matchup. And so I'd love to hear what about those guys? Like how, how are you making sure uh, you're getting bullpens that are, I don't know for me, it's like, how do we get bullpens game? Like, how do we make sure yeah. that they know what their how their stuff is? This is very not on the level of, of you as a pitching guy, but I would love to hear your thoughts and just given, you know, throwing out well, some of those examples. You know, one thing I do, um, and this is probably, I don't, this may not be for everyone. I take away the technology right before the season. Um, you know, once we have the metrics on, on the young man of where he's at and, and everything's safe, like we do not use Rapsoda much in the bullpen after, um, you know, once team practice starts in the spring. Because at that point to me, all that stuff's out the window. Now it's about competition and getting it. You know, I, I still have a tough time with guys worrying about what their spin rate was or what their what their vertical break was when they walked three people that inning. You know, I just like like I still have a tough time getting there, and so we try to remove that early in the in the spring, and we will come back to it as a tool later in the year if we need to. If there's something, there looks like there's something wrong, but the player if the player's in a good spot, we're going to remove that, and and the bullpens are going to be like you said more about competition. I think the other thing you have to do is. You know, you have to use the pitcher's catch play and ways to simulate getting them getting them ready as well. They have to use those days and understand that um, whether it's, you know, their flat grounds or whatever it is, using different timings. Maybe they're throwing this pitch on a three-second hold, a one-second hold, trying to use your, your, you know, your wristbands or whatever your sign system is as much as you can just in fake bullpens. We do a lot of visualization bullpens um, with them where we're trying to talk about, okay, you know, somebody out, we're at the seven-hole hitter. What is something we can expect here? He might bond. You got a green runner at second base. You know, most big game, 
gotta mix up our times. You're just trying to try to make them live those scenarios as much as possible um, while getting them in shape. Because obviously pitchers are different than hitters. You can't, uh, you know, hitters can hit every day. You know, the pitchers can't, they can't pitch every day. Um, you know, but we try to get um, very quickly, we get the hitter versus pitcher matchup going when they come back in the, in the, in January as quickly as possible. Every bullpen at VCU is thrown with a, with a, with a hitting dummy in there with counts running. You know, there's always every, every week, whether it's bullpen games, whatever it is, there is a list of, you know, the analytics that we think are important, the statistics that we think are important and they're charted. There's a, there's a ranking one through one through 15, if we have 15 pitchers. Um, so we, we keep that stuff competitive all the time. We want the juices of the pitchers going all the time. And then I'm also a big believer. Get them, get them in there with the team, have them catch pop-ups, have them, have them catch some ground balls when, when, you know, with the team, have them get out there sometimes, you know, with, with the first baseman and catch balls. They need to, they need to be baseball players. And I just think it, I just think it gives more ownership and that, and that competitive spirit through, um, you know, so, but I mean, it's tough in the wintertime because you're trying to keep them on their, on their throw schedule as much as possible. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we will manipulate our weeks, you know, however we have to, to make sure that the day that they're ready to throw, that we're able to get out there and create an inner squad situation for them. And I love that. And just to, just to hit on what you previously mentioned, uh, a, a lot of, well, some listeners may not be familiar with, with most, you know, most college practices and it's sometimes it's two separate ones. And sure. so it, that's an interesting one that sometimes the pitchers and the catcher or pitchers and catchers will, but the pitchers and the third baseman may not interact a ton once the season or once the preseason starts. And so I think that that's a really neat thing that you do. Uh, but another thing that, uh, that you mentioned, you, you talked about uh, just heightening awareness on competitiveness and, yeah. You know, the more a few years ago, I was trying, Okay, how can we measure what matters? And so I I tried to go all in on a lot of that stuff. And I just, you know, high school staffs and even college staffs are really overworked. And so you start you start trying to measure everything and you don't measure much of anything. So now (laughs) I'm starting to realize, okay, there are a few things that you want. But at the same time, if the level of of just uh, of competitiveness and if it's a challenge like a you know Stephen Cutler talks about if it's four percent harder than what they're used to and so we we talk about on the hitting side like a 50 percent failure rate it's enough to where you run into some balls but it's also enough to where you're going man I just like how did I miss that and so I think that that's helped a ton and so hearing you talk about with the bullpens that are like that with running counts and all of these different things is like how do we get that to translate to the game? And I think that that's a, that's a huge piece that we're missing of if we don't work backwards from the game and if we don't try and simulate that as often as possible, then that's where we're getting, you know, the cage rat kids who have great metrics but can't play. Uh, and we don't want to completely abandon that either. But at the same time, it's like if they're not performing in games, then, you know, why, then why are we doing what we're doing? And so I love hearing that. Yeah. I, I, what, what is all this for? I mean, when you hear about right. the word, the process. Okay. Well, the process is there to win games. <laughs> like, like, you know, you know, I mean, when, when you think about, you know, putting together your process of, of staying focused on the next pitch, staying focused on the next day B, whether it's quabs, whatever your, whatever your process is, you're putting that process to, together to, 
to help you win games. And so at the end of the day, if, you know, I'm a huge believer that if, if it doesn't not, if it's not helping us win games, we're not going to do it. You know, we talk about anything we bring into our program. You know, the first thing I, you know, that I ask our staff is, okay, you know, how is this going to help us win? Two, once we figure out how it's going to help us win, how are we going to coach it and drill it? How are we going to develop it? And then how are we going to recruit to it? Like if we, we have to answer those four questions. If we can answer those four questions, we'll go buy it right tomorrow. And, that, and that's the same for any drill we do or anything we implement what we're doing. Okay, what is going to lead to us winning more baseball games this week? Or what is going to lead to us, you know, and you have to, you have to put your time into the things that give you the most output. And, and the majority of time we lose baseball games because – we walked the guy at the wrong time or we didn't field a bunt at the wrong time. You know, they were trying to give us one out on a bunt to score one run and we weren't prepared to do it. We threw it away and they scored three. That's how we lost. And, and so I think you have to take your, take your time to, to really figure out what's important, what's important to you. And, and I think that's the other thing, you know, Jonathan, you mentioned, you know, when you're trying to figure out these metrics, or, you know, I would say what, you know, you just concentrate on the metrics that you feel are important. You know, the, the things that you understand, the things that make the most sense to you, and coach that. You know, and it doesn't have to be a lot of things. It can be three or four things. It does, we like you, know, you were mentioned it before. We don't have to value everything the same. Yeah. Okay, yeah. you can't because you're going to end up valuing nothing. And so, you know, I, I take a lot of pride, and I, you know, I mean, some may think it's a negative, but. You could have graduated five years ago uh, and jumped into practice today and known what to do. <laughs> you know, I mean, at, at our practice, you could have, sure. you know, because we're very consistent on that. Now, some may call that boring. Some may think that that's, you know, you got to keep evolving and changing. And we do. We do evolve and change. I mean, we, we, we're building facilities all the time. We're buying, you know, but at the same time, the core value of what we believe in is is going to stay the same because, again, I believe it, you know, to my core, to my sure. core. I love that. So one of the things that I, I've been really trying to do a better job of is, is teaching the mental side of the game. You know, it's, we talk about it all the time. All coaches talk about it. It's like, oh, it's, you know, the 5% with uh, that controls the 95%. But mm-hmm. it's, it, you know, do we a lot that much time doing it? And and so it's, it's tough. And then you've got guys who need to come in and you've got freshmen, new faces, you've got Juco kids, new faces, and then they're hitting the ground running in, you know, February. And it's like, okay, like it's time to get game ready. How do we do it? So what are some just different, you know, I, I, neither of us are sports psychologists, but we are coaches and, you know, we're living and we're, and we're, and we're, you know, dying with these kids every single day. And so just how do we, how do we do a better job of making sure that they're mentally sound and they're ready uh, for that as well? Boy, that's a tough question, you know, yeah, because, because I, I mean, I think, I think at the end of the day, like we, we try to talk about failure quite a bit and not from the standpoint of to be, you know, we try to, we try to talk about it like it's, you know, to no longer make it room. You know, we, we try to explain to them, you know, constantly and, and talk about how tough everything is, is, is going to be and how patient you have to be. And, and, and we really, really talk on, you know, the patient side of thing. I think that's part of the problem is, you know, you know one of the things we talk about in our program is I, I'm a big believer that with choice comes anxiety. 
Okay. And, and, and as we've given, as we, as we feel like we've given our children more choices or our young people more choices, anxiety has risen. And, and so, you know, I've heard a line years ago from Nick Saban where he said, you know, if you want to win, you really don't have that many choices. You really don't at the end of the day. There are certain things you have to do to win. And there are certain things that you, if you don't, you know, that you do to lose. And, and so, you know, we try to talk about that all the time. We try to limit the choices that we, we have to make. Okay. We try to limit the choices that they, that, you know, <clears throat> that we try to make things very, very simple for them. Here's how you're going to block the baseball or here's how we are going to defend. And here's how we are going to, you know, first or second, nobody out. This is the defense that we're in. We don't try to um, learn every shift. We don't try to make every pitch. We, you know, we try to keep, get our pitchers to find the two or three pitches that really work for them and where they can throw them and be good at that. What's the one pitch you can really hit? Go be good at that. And try, so we try to simplify that for the player to help ease that anxiety. To sure. help ease that anxiety, you know, you know, don't be something you're not. Be be good at be good at what you are, and that's enough value for us. We find great value in you for who you are and 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 what you do, and and so, so we talk about that. We talk we talk about the fact that we're trying to put every player in the position of of how he can be successful with for the team, and I think as a as a head coach, if I can lay that out for every kid. Here's how you're going to help us this year. They may not be happy with that role to start, but at the end of the day, they're not going to have anxiety over it. They know exactly who they are every day when they show up to the ballpark. And so and then looking to increase that role for them and that, and that position for them. But um, I think the more choices you give them, the more anxiety you're going to give them. And I think, sure. you know, and, and, and believe me, I'm, I'm not saying that we need to, you know, hold anyone back or anything like that. I'm just saying, Make things very clear for them. Make your standards, and it comes back to your standards and your core values. Make them very clear. If they know that they screw up in this, that this is what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, like, and they know Coach Stiff will not mess around with that. If you do that, you get caught doing that, you're probably gone, or you know, you're going to miss a weekend. And so they don't have to waste much time thinking over that. You know, and and so uh, I just try to rem- I try to eliminate choices. I try to eliminate gray area for them. Um, you know, we do have a, we're lucky enough. We have a sports psychologist here at, here at DCU, but I'll tell you, sometimes the more years I've dove into mental training, the, the more I realized, I mean, the, the more boxes we opened up that we didn't want to open up. Like it was like, you know, it's, it's, you know, I've years in the past where I was like, okay, we're going to do this for mental training. And then I realized, and all of a sudden I looked up, I was like, Boy, we we ended up needing more mental training than than we ever thought. You, you know, what I mean, and, and so, you know, I mean, I think we just try to keep that like everything else. We try to keep that because you can go down that rabbit hole and never come back out when it comes mm-hmm. to the mental side of this game. And and so, you deal with it as much as you can. We we talk about you know prior to dugout meetings and constantly with our team how much we value them and how much we mm-hmm. believe in who they are. And if you're if you're wearing a baseball uniform at VCU, you're a really good player. Doesn't matter if you're playing all, you know, if you're playing or not, you're a really good player. And I, you know, I, I don't have an answer to your question. I'm just no, trying, to tell you the, I'm trying to tell you the best way that, because I haven't found the right way to do it. And I don't know if anybody has, you know, to be quite honest with you. No. And, and I love a couple things that again, I want to highlight that I really liked. Uh, number one, I think 
clarity is so undervalued, you know, in every level of baseball, every kid wants to play. And if you, if you can give them, you know, how they're going to do that within the framework of the team, I think that that's huge. Just like, Hey guy, like you trying to be a power guy, like that's, that's fine. But you know, that's not your tool set. And we could have you do X, Y, and Z, uh, and whatever you decide on whatever the player is, uh, this fictional player that we're talking about. And then they at least know, like they know, okay, I've got to buy in and do this or, or, you know, and if I don't accomplish that, then that's why too. Well, I, 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 I say this to the players all the time, you know, when they come to practice every day, I say, okay, would you, would you, there's three grocery stores. One has one bottle of shampoo. One has five different brands of shampoo and one has 300. Okay. Which, which grocery, which store would you go to? They all say the one with five. Okay. And, and, Mm. and that's, that is the answer. You don't want the one because that, you know, that's, you know, my way or the highway only, this is the only way you can do anything. Okay. Mm. But at the same time, the one with 300, you're just going to come back every day and try something new, (laughs) you know, you, you know, and so, so you never get, you never really give a chance to anything, you know, but you want to give them options enough that they can, they can experiment, but at the same time, clearly define, you know, what we're trying to accomplish here. And, and what we're trying to accomplish is, is really good smelling hair. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be the best smelling hair. It just needs to be really good, you know? And so, and I, we use that example a lot and, and, and try to eliminate some of that anxiety for them. I'm going to use that, but I think I'm probably going to use the cheesecake factory analogy. I don't know if you guys have cheesecake factory. Yeah. Their menu is literally like it rivals the Bible. That's I think. right. That's <laughs> so, right. Now, well, I've always good. told my wife I could never, I could never use one of those sleep number beds. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. because if, if I was on number 55, I would want to know what 56 felt like. Right. You know, and I would exactly. never feel like I felt, I would never feel like I felt comfortable. You know what I mean? So, cause you're always wondering what the next thing is. And I, I think it goes a little bit to the video game mentality. I talked to you about before. What's the next level? What's the next thing, you know? And, and sometimes you just got to be good right here. These did really well and let's do them. And and that's going to lead and open up those other doors for you down the road. No, it's really good. Attack the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So let's say uh, we're getting into a postseason run, and I know this seems like forever away since we're we're recording, but how, what has the formula been for you uh, as far as getting guys ready for a postseason run? Because you know it's it depends depending on when guys are listening to this and, and whatnot, they may be preparing for that, and I think yeah. everyone does it a little bit differently depending on you know their time, their context, and you may have you may be hosting or you may be going to California. I, I don't know. But how, what have you felt like you needed to do? Because you break it up into, you know, summer, off-season, preseason, in-season, and then getting ready to postseason or something along those lines. What have you felt like has been a good uh, things to scale back on or add to or just where you felt comfortable going into a regional, super regional, and ready to go? First, um if you if you are getting ready for postseason play, that means you have a really good team. Whether it's high school, um, college baseball, MLB baseball, it means your team's already very very good, and you've done a great job coaching them. You know, and so um, at that point, I would you know, my success has been best when I step away. To be dead honest with you, you know, um, usually usually at that time in May and and getting into June, if you're having meetings, you're in trouble. And, and we say, and we talk about this all the time with our, with our team, bad teams have meetings. 
Okay. I tell our team that all the time. If I have to have a meeting with you every day about what we're doing, we're probably not going to go very far this year. But, um, you know, as you get into postseason play, you keep them in routines, keep them in routines, and give them space. Give them space because they're in a good mood. They're in a good place. They're hanging with their buds. They're playing ball. And you need to make sure the bus shows up on time. The drill work is ready for them. Ready to go and give them space to go play because players are going to win championships, plain and simple. And so um, you've done a great job getting them that to, the, to that point, and you need to realize that as a coach. Okay, you, you, your your job is it's never done, but your job is you you've done a good job to get them ready to 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 put themselves in this in this position. They've done a good job to do it. Now you 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 have to loosen the reins a little bit and hand it over to them. And uh, I'm a firm believer of that. Now I take I take ridiculous notes when we're in postseason play. I am like every regional we've been in, every super regional, I take notes, you know, and, and uh, what I could have done better, what I should have done better, you know, but, th- but a lot of that evolves around, you know, laundry and meal times and BP times, you know, and, and what I find is I'm always, I should have cut this out. I should have cut that out, you know, just stay in your routine, keep them what they're used to. And it is, is my philosophy for, late late season baseball i love it well stiff i i couldn't have enjoyed enjoyed our conversation more and man i I appreciate you carving out some time for us in such a busy season i will link your contact info below if anyone wants to get in touch with you and uh i'll I'll let you end the show for us so is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go no you know i i think um you know what you what you do here, Jonathan, is so wonderful for our game and, and the advancements that we've had uh, because of podcasts like this and sharing of information and how much I've learned. I've learned more in the last three to four years uh, than I probably did in my first 20 years of coaching, you know, just just when it comes to this type of sharing of information. And I, I just I think we all should do it and we should do it as much as possible. But at the end of the day, you have to sort through that. And um, you have to make the information yours and you have to really believe in what you are telling your team and what you're implementing into your program. And, and so it, I would tell anyone, if you believe it and you, you have done the numbers and you study it and you believe it to your core and you can coach it and you can explain it to 18, 19, 21-year-olds, then it's good enough. I'll tell you that. It is good enough. The formula is good enough. Make it your own. And, um, and, and coach to it, because I can promise you, I, I would, I would rather, you know, I would rather have a group of, of, of players go out and execute a plan that is fully, fully explained and, and, and fully, um, and fully bought into than going out and having this really great plan that nobody knows anything about, you know, and, um, if you if you believe in it and it's in your core and, and, and you're invested in it, then it's it's good enough. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review wherever you are listening. I also wanted to remind you that you can find the video portion at the AOTC channel on stickandball.tv. Have a great week.